madam? Was she a was she a madam of a whorehouse? No, she oh. actually took the name madam late in life uh, because of the French beauty industry as a marketing technique. She and her daughter moved from St. Louis to Denver, which was around the time that Annie Malone accused her of stealing the formula. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe she just fled. Maybe she did steal it and fled to Denver. This is kind of amazing. There's a part of me that kind of hopes she stole it. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing or noteworthy women from history. That nobody ever talks about. That no one ever talks about. Yeah. And I'm Justin Xavier. I'm Sam Eggers. And I'm Sarah Gorski. And we are the three hosts of the podcast. And every week we're going to break down one woman that you should know. Today's episode is about Madam C.J. Walker, and I have done a little bit of research, and so I'm going to just talk through the information that I found, and you guys can interject, butt in whenever, and... Uh... I'm going to interject right now, right okay. now. Okay, yeah. Madam? Was she a... Was she a madam of a whorehouse? No, she oh. actually took the name Madam late in life uh, because of the French beauty industry as a marketing technique oh. to try to help sell her hair products. Oh, cool. And oh, so she just yeah. added it to the front of the name because she was like, you know, madam sounds like I know what the, the hell I'm she talking knew about. She was up. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. Love she, it. Uh, she was born Sarah Breedlove is her actual name. Ooh, Madam CJ's better. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think she figured that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, love, yikes. <laughs> right? She was born in December of 1867. She was the first of five siblings to be born free because slavery ended in 1865, just two years earlier. Was she born, do you know where she was born? Was she in the North or the South? The South. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, she was born in Delta, Louisiana. Mm. So... Oh. I, I, part of me was wondering, and I couldn't find any information about it, if her parents started having children after slavery ended as like a celebration of we're free, yeah. we can have a family now. And did her family stay on the land that they, that they were given? Or I'm not leave? sure. I know that she moved pretty quickly, pretty early on in her life. Yeah. Um, she had three husbands. The first husband she <laughs> married when she was 14. Yes. And uh, it's rumored that she married him to escape her abusive brother-in-law. Although, although I guess that really wasn't so uncommon in those days, was it? They really tried to, women tried to marry really young, didn't they? I mean, I don't know if women tried to marry so much as people tried to marry women. Well, 14 still is pretty young. 14 feels young. Yeah. I mean, yes. But, but if it gets you terrible, out. But, but in the South, maybe not. Because, you know, age of consent in some states is like 15. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you're marriageable once you, like, got your period. So. Yeah. hey you're ready for You could babies. be 11. Yikes. Congratulations. You're married. It's <laughs> terrifying. Uh, <laughs> so the, the first wedding was in ni- or 1882. I just wrote the, the end years. And so I was like, 19. But no, 18. <laughs> We're looking at history right now. <laughs> history. Um, so with her first husband, she had one daughter named Alalia Walker. Uh, Walker came later, but she adopted that name because that was the one she liked. Uh, her husband died in 1887 when she was 20 and her daughter was two. In Ooh. 1888, she moved to St. Louis and became a laundress, earning a dollar a day. Hey, that's pretty good back then, wasn't it? I think... 
I don't know the exact exchange rate. I don't think it was great, but yeah. I don't think it was terrible. Like, I feel like minimum wage was... I don't know if there even was a minimum wage. I don't no, think there, there was. wasn't yet. No? Mm-mm. Yeah. So she was earning a dollar a day. A dollar? That does seem real low. <laughs> But she was intent on saving enough for her daughter's education. St. Louis is also where she first started to learn about hair care from her brothers who were barbers. Mm. So, so they started teaching her and got her interested in the industry. And then in 1894, she got married again, left him in 1903. Uh, not a lot of details about that. Mm-mm. In 1904, which was around the time of the Louisiana Purchase Exhibition, which oh. I did not know was the thing, but it makes sense. Oh my god, oh. the musical Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh. Have you guys seen this movie? No. Is it Meet Me in St. Louis? Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh. Uh, well, <laughs> it's a Judy Garland movie. Oh. Um, and it's a great Christmas movie, even though only part of the movie takes place during Christmas, but I highly recommend it. It's so fun. Though it's, she, a, cla- it's a quote classic. Okay. Yes, it is a quote classic. Though she okay. does have... The woman that plays, or the it, actress that and plays her little sister. And is it set at the, at the St. Louis Expedition, Exhibition? for the? It's all about going to the exhibition. Like, the exhibition is coming up, uh, and it's the highlight of their lives, pretty much, that this is happening. I see. There's it, a character named Tootie who's kind of a criminal, anyway. Okay. Tootie. Because <laughs> she farts? No. Tootie is the little sister, and she thinks it's a great idea to, at Halloween to take a, like, straw person and throw it onto the tracks of oh. the trolley, and okay. the trolley like derails, and they're like, "Oh, Tootie, she's a child." We're like, "She's a she she's a murderer. She's a monster. She's a wow. monster. She's anyway, a monster." That's Times terrible. were different then, apparently. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Sorry, back to Madame C. Irrele- yeah, back to Madame C. <laughs> yeah, Walker. let's talk about she's husband free now. Yeah, so she moved to St. Louis and became a sales rep for Annie Malone who owned the Poro Company and was a hair care entrepreneur slash millionaire. So while working for her, she started to develop her own line of products. And there was a big controversy where Annie said that she had stolen her formula and uh, there was a big thing. But I guess she got out of it because she became the wealthier business person so I don't know if she was just like a ferocious businesswoman who was like, no, it's I'm going to do it CJ or me. the woman she was... CJ. Because mm. she ultimately came out on top. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, either she was really business savvy or she didn't steal the formula. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Or she or she knew how to market it better. Right. She Which definitely is- knew how to market it better and had better sales, even though wow. this person was also a millionaire. But uh, there was a, a huge demand for hair care products, of course, mm. uh, especially for people of color at the time because they were not being marketed to and nobody was making stuff for them. Mm-hmm. So it said that many black women at the time suffered from severe dandruff, scalp ailments, baldness, skin disorders... And a lot of that stemmed from the use of lye in their soaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess back then, I wonder if people would just use, like, bar soap to wash your hair. You wouldn't necessarily have a special product to wash your hair. You it, know, you Well, it probably be... depends on what you can afford to buy, too, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's expensive Yeah. To, to buy different products, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to know more about hair care, the history of hair care for this to fully make sense. Because this could be like she revolutionized something, and mm-hmm. and I'm completely missing it. Well, I think it's also just that because we're talking about after slavery had ended, pe- like you know, people hadn't been thinking of 
of black people as human beings. Right. Basically, why do they, they need slaves. hair products? They, so why they would you develop a product for someone who doesn't a have any money or b you know is only worth like two thirds? It's terrible. Yeah. Because of a person. Right. It's awful. Anyway, that was a good market. She's smart. Mm-hmm. And most Americans of the time didn't have indoor plumbing or heating or electricity. And so that was also a factor into everyone's poor hygiene. So mm. it is crazy to think how far that we've come in such a short time that like now it's like assumed that you're going to have all those things. Also, the water was harder probably too. So it probably wasn't mm. even just the lie. True. When you think of like well water, mm-hmm. that's probably what most people use, right? You probably, have to yeah. go to like a communal bathhouse or yeah. you know, something like that history (laughs) so does she have like a factory or was she so she eventually did develop one yeah she set up the headquarters in indianapolis in 1910 but before that uh when she was 37 in 1905 uh she and her daughter moved from st louis to denver which was around the time that Annie Malone accused her of stealing the formula. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe she just fled. Maybe she did steal it and fled to Denver. This is kind of amazing. There's a part of me that kind of hopes she stole it, just because it's really cool. And, like, trademark law, like, didn't, like, how heavily enforced was any of that back right. then? There was yeah. no internet. No. What are you, you're going to ride a horse across the country to stop this woman from selling her hair care products? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm not. I don't care. Denver. Do you think weed was legal in Denver back then? I hope so. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't think you so. Guys, <laughs> can I get a laugh? Can I get a laugh? <laughs> Help me out. Uh, in 1906, she married Charles Walker, which is where Walker came from, and he ha- played a major hand in the business. He was mainly in charge of helping her market. He, was, he knew a lot about marketing and gave her a lot of advice in that arena. And she marketed herself as an independent hairdresser and a retailer of Cosmetic Dreams, which I thought was cool. Cosmetic Dreams. Mm-hmm. Was this the second husband or the third husband? Third husband. Okay, so this is the one that sticks. Yes, this is the one that sticks. Because he came up with because Cosmetic Dreams. Because he helps dreams. her. He mm-hmm. helps her do business. He He's makes like, her a better... Yeah. Not makes her better. And he also he lets her, her be the name of the business. Yeah. Like, as far as I know, he didn't have a business. He just was helping her. I'm like, that's cool for 1800, or I guess 1900s. They that's met in super, them. super partners. Super pro- progressive yes. partners. Progressive pro- pro- partners. <laughs> progressive per- Charles provided advertising advice. Sarah started selling door to door. I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, I guess of course you would, because maybe How you can't afford you? to put out an ad mm-hmm. and... The people you're marketing to might not be able to read, so right. you might literally have to go to their house and show them how the hair works. Oh my gosh, this is a total side note, but I was just reading about the librarians of that era, and there used to be horseback librarians That's so that cool. would like bring their books on sacks and like bring them out into these like rural areas where they didn't have books and like kids that's like so couldn't badass. read it is so there's like pictures anyway this is probably for another episode but that's what <laughs> like yes they didn't probably have like magazines and a lot to read and stuff like that so going door to door was like that was what you gotta do really like hoofing it mm-hmm. where is the mini series about the rural librarians 
I mean, oh, there's yeah. nothing I want more now. I definitely want a movie about a librarian on horseback just yes. throwing out books. Like to going people. through, yes. but like hike, like on horses, going through like the mountain paths and stuff to get to these like Appalachian villages and like. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this just is spreading. We knowledge. need to focus on CJ, yes. but that is the same time. I think. I think that timing aligns with. I mean, I'm going to look up one of the knowledge. most famous horseback librarians, and she's going to be on another episode of the show. For sure. <laughs> Spreading knowledge and finding romance. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, uh, in 1906, she put her daughter, Alelia, in charge of mail orders, and then she and Charles traveled the South to expand the business. And I think literally just went door-to-door throughout the South, trying to get sell new the clients. Products. Yeah, and sell the products. And in 1907, the Denver office closed. In 1908, they moved to Pittsburgh and opened a beauty parlor to train hair culturists which is what they called people who specialized in black hair oh hair culturists Mm -hmm. interesting and i i don't know if she coined that term but it based on what i read it seemed like she may have that's cool wow in 1910 uh they founded the headquarters of the madam cj walker manufacturing company in indianapolis in uh, 1930. Are they still around? Are they a company today? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it's, wow. she's like getting more and more popular because her granddaughter or great granddaughter wrote a book about her life fairly recently, which is kind of like where all this interest about her has been springing up. Yeah. And there's actually going to be a Netflix series about her next year. Oh, cool. Starring Octavia Spencer as her. Because she's been, like, if that time, like, she's been around as long as, like, Sears and Roebuck and mm-hmm. J.C. Penn, like, all those old mm-hmm. mail-order catalog. She, like, like even maybe predates them. I have to look up those dates, I guess. That's amazing. Yeah. We should put some sort of a picture up of her or of her product and stuff up on Instagram. Yes. We'll also put it on the website. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, in 1913, her daughter convinced her to open up an office and a salon in Harlem, because she said that it was going to be a, a the place for people of color mm-hmm. in New York at the time. She's like, this is the place, you got to do it. And she did, and it was wildly successful. She developed a technique known as the Walker system to treat and clean hair, which used a combination of shampoo, pomade, brushing, and iron combs. Oh. And it's like an, the official method. I think it's trademarked. Yeah, wow. Awesome. So by 1917, the company had grown to a point where they had trained 20,000 women as sales agents. And, awesome. Right? Like, like Mary Kay or something. Or yeah. Like yeah. I think that is kind of the, the, the business model they were working on. It's like, just train a bunch of women to go out and sell the stuff, and then they'll send in their orders and however the profits work out. Yeah. She died in 1919. Uh from a combination of kidney failure and hypertension, which I think is also common in African-Americans. And then after her death, the company continued to grow. It spread into Cuba, Jamaica, Haiti, Panama, Costa Rica. It became this like giant international corporation. And at the time of her death, she was the wealthiest African-American woman, period. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So was she living in New York or was she living in Indiana? She, actually, I don't know. She had moved around so much. I think she was living in New York. Actually, oh, sense. no, she did. I think she stayed in New York okay. for the for the rest of her she, life. So she died wealthier than Annie. <laughs> oh, yep. Suck it, I Annie. love it. Suck it, Annie. 
CJ got you. Thanks for teaching me how to do this. I'm going to go do it on my own. I'm, we, uh, I'm pretty sure someone needs to write that script. Or not write the script, probably adapt the book that's already been written. Well, that's what, that's what <laughs> Netflix did. the Netflix did. thing, right? Yeah. yeah. That's right. Oh, mm-hmm. Netflix. With Octavia Ooh. Spencer and Tiffany Haddish is going to be playing her daughter. Oh my gosh, when does it come out? Next year. I, yeah, I don't know what, what month or anything, but that's awesome. They're shooting it now, or maybe what an amazing broad. Mm-hmm. She was a woman before her time, and that's why you know part of what she's so successful. She was doing all that stuff before anyone else did. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. And she was also pretty heavy into charity and politics, Ooh. but she didn't get into politics Ooh. until she moved to New York. But once she moved to New York, she started getting involved because mm-hmm. I feel like it's hard to be in a giant city like that and not get involved especially when you see what's happening with the your yeah. own culture yeah and maybe she has some money she has some influence at that yeah. point you mm-hmm. know what do you mean there's no money in politics <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> Uh, so over in total, she gave over $100,000 to orphanages, institutions, and individuals. And to many of the organizations she donated to, she was the single largest individual donor that they had ever had up till that point, including wow. the NAACP, which wow. she gave uh, $5,000 to in 1919, like shortly before her death, uh, specifically to their anti-lynching fund. Yeah, so she was wow. heavily involved in these things. Uh, Nineteen eighteen, she gave to the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs. They honored her for making the largest donation that they had ever received to preserve Frederick Douglass's house. Ooh, cool! Wow. Uh, she gave to the Young Men's Christian Association in Indianapolis. She gave to scholarship funds for the Tuskegee Institute, the Flanner House, the Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church, the Daytona Education and Industrial School for Negro Girls. Her will stated that two-thirds of her estate profits for the rest of time would go to charity. Two-thirds? Two-thirds. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. What a cornerstone of the African-American community. Mm-hmm. Especially at that time. Wow. That is, like, incredible. It's great that they're doing a movie on her. And mm-hmm. I wonder if any of this would have happened if it was her granddaughter who wrote... Was it granddaughter, granddaughter or great-granddaughter. Granddaughter. Yeah, who wrote the book about her. Mm-hmm. And she, and she wrote the book because she was like, this, she did so many things and no one has heard of her. And every time I talk about her, people are like, who? Yeah, I've never heard of her. Yeah. She's a broad we should, should have she broad been taught about should. in uh, no. history class. And, he, and now she is a broad we do know. Yeah, I like that. And then one of my uh, favorite quotes that I found from her, she gave she gave a bunch of um, talks and lectures uh, in, in New York uh, during World War One. She was a leader in the Circle for Negro War Relief and advocated the establishment of a training camp for Black Army officers. Oh, wow! She was like in every possible way that she could try to help advance Black people. Yeah, she did. Which, Hell yeah! But the quote, she, she, one of her talks, she said, I'm a woman who came from the cotton fields of the South. From there, I was promoted to the wash tub. From there, I was promoted to the cook kitchen. And from there, I promoted myself into the business of manufacturing hair goods and preparations. I have built my own factory on my own ground. Wow. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. She's so inspiring. Talk about a self-made woman, that's huh? Mm-hmm. From a dollar a day to multi-million. To, that's amazing. That is a, a over a million dollar heir. Dollar mm-hmm. a millionaire, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm much saying. more now. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. That's great. I'd be curious what has happened to the company now and if they're still, you still manufacture well, hair uh, let's, products. Uh, let's, let's, let's look it up let's real quick. A quick. Let's just little check. do a little, yeah, you can buy their stuff right now. Oh, wow. So it still exists. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's great. It's still, it, I'm just imagining her at that oh, time maybe trying to go get a loan to start a, to, you know, to start a factory or to start a business and... No, this actually says that the 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 Walker Company ceased operations in oh. July 1981. Oh, so oh, okay. I don't know what. But this, her system is still. Yeah, her that, her formula and her yeah. system is still being used by other beauty manufacturers, and I don't know if it's the real one or if they're just using her name to make extra money. Yeah, still, that's an incredible amount of time. Mm-hmm. Right. That's to be like in business, almost a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's everything I found about Madam C.J. Walker. Awesome, Madam C.J. Walker. What a Walker. badass. Right. She's badass. I like knowing about her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I know. I'm glad I know. Uh, thank you for listening. This has been Broads You Should Know, uh, one of our first ever episodes. Please uh, keep listening. We're going to have many, many, many more broads for you in future weeks. Heck yes. Yeah.